Hey family, welcome, welcome, welcome to You Ought to Know, where we talk about things we think you ought to know. I'm your host, Jerome Matthews. Pop into our pod as we discuss fitness, health, nutrition, and let's see how we can balance those into our daily lives. If y'all aren't watching this, I'm killing it right now with my dance moves, so check out our YouTube. But hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to You Ought to Know where we talk about things we think you ought to know. And one part of that is health. Today, we're going to talk about health, mental health, and mindfulness and how we can do that. And I'm so excited with our guest, Mr. Mark Taylor. Mark Taylor. Oh, he gets a round of applause. (laughs) What a good feeling. Oh, man. Uh, Mark Taylor, uh, thank you for joining us, Mr. Mark. Um, Tell us, Mark, first off, how would you introduce yourself? I'm a Pilates instructor at Club Pilates Woodstock. Club Pilates instructor okay and pilates what is that is that yoga like is that a form of yoga or no pilates is is a lot of people are introduced to it from yoga because a lot of yoga studios offer pilates too uh, pilates is actually developed long long time ago back in uh, uh by uh, joseph pilates back during world war wait II. joseph pilates mm-hmm. oh that's cool okay yeah yeah back in world war ii and he was a uh, german and then uh, during the war he went over to uh England and while he was in England he was in a camp there and sort of like not a concentration camp but a camp where they put you if you were from a different country that you're fighting against so while he was there there were a lot of people that were unhealthy and he worked with those people to develop fitness programs to keep them healthy while they were in the hospital and he developed some of the equipment like the reformer and that kind of stuff there and then he went on from there to after the war moved to the states uh, was in New York and did a lot of Pilates uh, stuff up there he worked with boxers primarily mm-hmm. a lot of boxers and then uh, then the whole ballet thing sort of got in there too because the ballerinas found out that they could avoid injury if they developed their core and that kind of strength and then uh, so he began to work with those people too and that's why it sort of is more known through ballet okay. than it is through boxing but it's a core workout it's it's all about developing your core your abs everything from under your arms to above your knees for strength and conditioning. What got you into Pilates? Why did you go that route? Well, um, my wife. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she drug me to to yoga, and uh, this was a long time ago. And I, yoga was fun. I enjoyed that. But then they had Pilates. And I was like, well, Pilates, I actually am working out differently. It wasn't just pl- – yoga felt more like stretching to me. Okay. And since then, I still do yoga. But – uh, Pilates, what's the main difference then? Pilates, you're actively working your core. Okay. You, so you're doing, uh, so the basic routine, there's a basic mat series that's a full body workout. And then from there, you take that same classical workout and you can put it on the reformer, which is a piece of equipment of apparatus that's designed to work you out. And you can focus on individual body parts and segments like you would in a gym. Okay. The difference is, is it's uh, anyone can do it. So you can be... 80 years old, you can be 20 years old, you can be an athlete, you can be someone that's recovering from an injury or whatever, and you can come to one of my classes, and I can give you a workout that'll work for your body based on your needs and what you're looking for. And that's what that's what appealed to me about Pilates, is it's for everyone. Got you. And, I mean, it's not easy. Oh, no. Right? No, right. I will work you. <laughs> because yes. I did yoga, and I remember I was invited to do yoga, and... and and when I got there, my friend said, oh, well, welcome to hot yoga. And I was like, wait, that was the first time I heard the word hot mm-hmm. with this. Um, but when I started doing it, it was 
I couldn't believe how difficult it is to hold certain positions. Um, and I, I saw the lack of core strength I had. So, uh, I get what you're saying with the yoga and the stretching, but, um, yeah, cool. I, I see a mindfulness with that. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I guess you have to be very in tune right. with, with yourself. Yeah. And you know, the core fundamentals of Pilates are basic for a lot of other types of exercises too. You know, the most important thing is breathing mm -hmm. that, and that's a fundamental piece of meditation or mindfulness in that whole function too. But, but we breathe anyway. What, what do you mean right. specifically? Well, see, that's it. It's, it's, it's the first thing you do when you're born and it's the last thing you do before you die. So you do it your whole life. And if you aren't breathing, you have a big problem, mm -hmm. but there's different types of breathing and there's different ways of doing it. And, um, uh, there's different mindsets on different styles that you can use to promote your the mindfulness aspect or the meditative aspect of it. Okay. So, and yeah. so would you say that's, I mean, how do you get started trying to figure out, I guess that concept is, is it's like walking. I mm -hmm. mean, you don't realize the muscles that are involved in walking and, and the balance that has to happen with your feet. So how do we become more aware, you know, of breathing? Yeah. And when do we practice that? Well, you can practice any time and all the time. And uh, if just looking at you right now, when I walk into a room, I look at people. And since I've become more aware of breathing techniques, I, I notice how you're holding your, your face and your mouth. Mm. Is your mouth open? Is your mouth closed? Are you a nose breather or a mouth breather? In other countries, most of the people are, are nose breathers. Mm. In America, less than 80% of people are nose breathers. So Why is that? It's because we're not trained that way. If you were an American Indian uh, born here as an, a Native American, as a baby, your mother would have held your mouth closed to teach you how to breathe through your nose. And they do that in other countries, too. There's a lot of countries that, that they focus on that nose breathing because it's, the, it's a core fundamental building block for health. So if you're a nose breather, you're going to have a lot less dental problems. You're going to sleep better. You're not going to snore. Um, you're going to be a healthier person. You're not going to get sick because, think about it, if you're breathing through your nose, you're bringing in all of that oxygen, and it's getting filtered before mm -hmm. it goes into your lungs. Okay. So if you're breathing through your mouth, it's going straight into your lungs. So if, you know, take the pandemic. Yeah. You know, if you're a nose breather, you've got a lot more filtration happening, even without a mask, than someone who's a mouth breather who's taking it directly into their lungs, thus into their uh, circular system, you know, in there through their blood system and everything through your body. Well, I, I guess, um, you know, I've been trying to run too, uh, and, and it feels like it's harder. It is to, I mean, these two nostrils, I have a big nose, but still, even with that, <laughs> I feel like I can get more air. You can't. And even open up my mm -hmm. diaphragm, right? What, where's the, so you have to learn to do that. And in Pilates, there's different breaths for different types of exercises, as you know, mm -hmm. and, um, usually on the exertion, you exhale, and that's the way I teach in Pilates. As you exert, you exhale. Mm -hmm. As you bring, as you relax, you inhale. So the difference is, is in Pilates, you inhale through your nose and you exhale through your mouth, and that's during an exercise type program. But through in real life, it's much better to only breathe through your nose. You won't have dental problems. Your your mouth reshapes itself just because you're breathing through your mouth. Your palate lifts and the whole way you configure your, your teeth and everything change if you do that for a lifetime. So think about building muscles. When you go to the gym 
and you bicep curl, let's say you do three sets of 10. So mm -hmm. you did three sets of 10 and you probably feel pretty good. But when you're breathing, you breathe every three seconds. So if you breathe every three seconds through your nose for the rest of your life, you're conditioning your, your whole system to, you know, help your mouth and uh, to be less likely to get sick. And then that all leads to a mindful type situation. And then we can start talking about, you know, mindfulness. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So, so take me up. When did, when did this happen for you? I mean, I guess I have to know this, the beginning, right? Like when did you say, I'm going to start training, breathing, mindfulness? Well, to be honest with you, the whole uh, breathing piece is something that I just came across not too long ago within the last year. And I've been teaching that in my uh, workshops lately. I've always taught breathing techniques, mm -hmm. but I didn't really put the whole aspect of how important it is just to breathe through your nose in with the rest of, of the, because uh, we've always talked about breathing through your nose when you're in meditation, but um, it's different uh, when you actually do it in real life all the time. In so, meditation, that's, uh, why is it that we, it, does that comp, does that reset? Right. So the, there's different types of breathing. And usually the three that I teach uh, when we're doing, when, when, and so First of all, back up with, with meditation, yeah. it's, it's different for everybody. So the, the trick with meditation and the, and the hardest thing, and the reason we meditate is you're trying to find a place between sleep and wakefulness where your mind and body can relax and you can sort of find a starting point where everything sort of is just relaxed and you, your whole body's just ready to be receptive to change or whatever else is in your life. And the biggest thing that gets in the way of that is your mind. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you sit down and you relax and you think, oh, I'm going to meditate now, your mind starts talking. So we call it monkey mind. Okay. So you start thinking, oh, what am I having for dinner? What was that noise? What am I going to do next? You know, is my shoe untied? I'm not comfortable. My legs are going to sleep. You know, there's an airplane going overhead. I hear a dog. All that stuff is going on, and that distracts you from meditating because the goal of meditation is to find that point where none of that's bothering you. Mm -hmm. So in mindful meditation... Uh, that's its particular style, and I teach lots of different styles, and I find this one's the easiest one for most people to relate to. Um, you simply focus on your breath. So the way I do it and the way I teach it is you can do it anywhere. Yeah, I can do it right now, sitting in this chair. You could do it in your car. You could do it anywhere. And that was one of the big problems with, like, Buddhist-style meditation is you have to really be in a situation where you can sit for a long period of time without interruption. And it's What's got a, long a, a perfect situation. It's different for different people. I was taught about uh, for you would sit for 20 minutes, then you would take, uh, you'd do a five to usually about a five minute walking meditation, and then you would do another 20 minutes. So that was sort of the traditional. Okay. If you were to go to somewhere to sit in a, a Buddhist temple or something like that, then you would do that type of a, sit, of a situation. But that doesn't work for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I teach so many different styles is the key is to find a style that fits with your lifestyle. Sure. And, and what does mindful mean? Because we've said mindfulness. Like, What does it mean to right. be mindful? So mindful is awareness, in my opinion. Different people will tell you different things. But for me, it's being aware of everything in your environment. So when, I'm, when, when I walk in the door, you, so you're thinking through all your senses, not just your your okay. your eyes you walk in and you notice the aroma of the place that you walk into that's you know i can tell immediately if someone has a cat mm -hmm. or a dog you know because i'm allergic to cats mm -hmm. um, okay so you know i'm that sense kicks in or if i smell oh someone just cooked something good you know i'm aware of all that stuff that's going on visually i'm aware of the very limited things that you can see around you 
then there's the heat and air aspect. You can feel your skin and what's going on with your skin. So mindfulness is being aware of everything in your environment. Okay. And being present, right? Right. Then. It's so easy to, for us to right. think about in this moment, the other things that I have to do. Yep. Um, That's a key. And, and I, I saw somewhere where they said that, you know, we have a thousand thousands of thoughts of day, but, um, you know, majority of our thoughts, they can be positive ones, but for some reason, we'll just remember just a negative thought that, that happened. Can be that way. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, what, how is it that it, are you supposed to be mindful about that? Those negative thoughts, mm -hmm. or do you, are you in this, like, you know, this hedonistic style of, I want to live a life full of pleasure. Well, you know, that's obviously wonderful if you can do that. Mm -hmm. You know, when I stopped uh, working at the, you know, for a large company and, and, and decided that I was going to do some different things with my life, I made the decision that I wasn't going to do anything that I didn't enjoy doing. Now, granted, there's things you have to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to drive somewhere to pick somebody up or do something. There's things in life you have to do. But then you, you make the best of those kind of things, too. And you think, well, it's a beautiful, you know, yeah, I'm driving through here, but yeah, that's a really cool Lamborghini right there. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it's a beautiful day or it's raining. What a beautiful rainstorm. Or, yeah, the traffic is backed up. So let's look at the people in the cars around us and enjoy that. You know, so you can make unpleasant things mm -hmm. uh, pleasant. Well, that's not easy, though. No, I mean, it isn't. You, it can be frustrating. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. It isn't. But you've got to think, well, okay, I can be mad about sitting in this traffic jam and just get more and more mad and get on my horn. Mm -hmm. And I used to not be a good driver because I live in Atlanta. Come on. He's <laughs> obviously, but, uh, now I, I'm, I'm a chill driver. You know, I got rid of my sports car uh -huh. back driving a truck again. That, that slowed me down and it just sort of changed my mindset on, on how I do that. But was it important for you to change your, the external, your environment in order for you to really focus within, or do you, is it more, internal first and then it started you started to see your environment change i think that for me after i quit working uh all the time you know the 50 60 hour work weeks and that kind of thing i stepped back and looked around me and realized all the stuff i was missing out on and i'm suddenly home with my wife mm -hmm. you know i missed my daughter growing up because i was gone all the time i mm -hmm. traveled so it, it allowed me to sit back and say well now i can take the time to really do the things i want to do in life and I don't want to sit in front of a TV, you know, I don't want to, um, I want to, I want to carve, mm -hmm. you know, I want to go for walks. Cool. I do woodworking. Okay. I want to play music. I love to play music. You know, I want to do those kind of things. I want to go for walks with my wife and spend as much time with these people as I can. So we got, we don't have a TV. Mm -hmm. We got rid of our TVs. The whole house? Like, you mm -hmm. don't, oh. Yeah. My son has one cause he still likes to play Xbox every day. Uh -huh. He's a hey, but he's you know he's a twenty one year old kid. Gotcha, so, yeah, yeah. So, but you know we got rid of ours a, a long time ago, and uh, we don't have cable or any of that. We do have internet uh, because I still enjoy watching hockey. Mm -hmm. So I'll pull up hockey on my. Is that something that when you when you say that to the family is that like hey we're not mm -hmm. going to have a TV anymore? No, because um, you know my daughter was is so busy with her own life and doing her thing. She's gone now. She's uh, an accountant and lives in Alpharetta. And then my wife is, uh, she's not a, she's not a certified nutritionist, but she's as close to it as you could possibly yeah, come. She, she knows. She's <laughs> always giving me great information that I can pass on to, to other people too. And um, so she keeps us, and she's really my motivation for everything. Mm -hmm. You know, she's, she's the reason that I got into yoga and I got into mindfulness and I got into 
uh, doing meditation workshops. And the reason I started taking meditation retreats, because I realized that, you know, I wanted more out of life than just things and just, you know, the latest thing. We, we're not mainstream at my house. <laughs> you know, we, we get up in the morning, we have our coffee, and then we decide what we're going to do. Are we going to go mountain biking? Or are we going to go for a walk? You know, this morning we got up, went for a walk, took the dog down to the lake, went, you know, she went for a swim, and then my wife went mountain biking. I came over here, but I'm going mountain biking after this. And, you know, not everyone has the opportunity to live like that, but teaching Pilates is another life decision mm -hmm. for me. It gave me the opportunity to only work a few days a week, and I do it for fun. If I ever get to the point where I don't enjoy teaching it, I'll quit because I want people to love my classes. Yeah. I want yeah. them to have a great experience. And it's so fulfilling for me to see people progress and to get stronger. And I always tell them, some, some instructors don't tell their people when, they, when they've changed, but I've worked with some of these ladies for years now, and they're losing weight. Uh -huh. And they look better, and they're healthier, and, they, and you can just tell just their, their whole psyche is different. Well, what do you say about, you know, just the day-to-day -day life? Like, you know, you work 50, 60 hours a week, and uh, I guess I didn't mention that before where, you know, I did a style of meditation, transcendental med meditation. Right. And it was, I remember, it was 20 minutes a day, mm -hmm. twice a day. Yeah. Um, you know, in the morning and at the, in the evening. And right. it's so weird to think, okay, I have 24 hours in my day, and the idea of dedicating 40 minutes just sitting down mm -hmm. at first, you know, it's, it's frustrating. And then you start to see the benefits and then life starts to happen, you know? Right. So what do you, what do you think about, I mean, time, what, like, do we have to meditate for 20 minutes? Can we mm -hmm. meditate while we're doing Pilates while we're running? Like when, Absolutely. when can we do this? And that's a key. And so when I first started, I was trained in the Buddhist style. So that's what I did. I did that. Usually I would do 20 minutes first thing in the morning, 20 minutes at night. And then that worked for a lot. And I was doing that back when I was, you know, working professionally too. But it sucks into your day and it just doesn't work for everybody. So I started looking for other alternatives. And that's why I started going to some of the um, uh, retreats and that kind of thing to get exposed to other things. I realized that, like I said earlier, everybody has different lifestyles and they need something that's going to work for them and their lifestyle. I think the mindfulness is the easiest way to get into it. And it's something you can do anywhere. So all you need to do, and we started talking about this before, is find a position where you can sit comfortably. You can be in a chair. You can sit on the floor. You can sit in a mat. You can be anywhere. You can sit by the lake. You can be in your hammock. You just need to be in a position where you don't need to use any muscles. So, mm -hmm. you know, like I could sit right here. My spine is stacked. You know, I'm, I'm relaxed. My hands are relaxed. You can put your hands, the universal mudra if you want to, and, you know, interlock your hands and put them in your belly. What is that called? So you line up your knuckles uh -huh. just like that, or you can do it like that, whichever one. So you put your dominant hand over your non-dominant hand. Okay. And then you put it in your lap, and then you just relax that effort right there. And then your whole body, your upper body can then relax because your shoulders are naturally going to come into alignment. And you can, you don't have to be in this position. Now you can put your hands beside you, whatever works for you. Okay. Um, and then as soon as you sit down and you decide to, that you're going to meditate, that's a very important part of it. You have to say, I'm going to meditate now. This is what I'm going to do. Because if you don't decide you're going to do it, then anything can interrupt you. So you decide you're going to meditate. So that means if your phone rings, you, don't, you aren't going to answer it. Mm -hmm. You'll go message and whatever. So after you've done that, then you take a moment and you scan your body. And you notice if you can do anything to be more comfortable in whatever situation you're in. And if you're good, 
then you take in your environment and you become mindful of everything around you. You listen for airplanes, you listen to the birds, you can look around, see what's going on around you, look at the cars, whatever is happening. And then once you've done that, you accept that that's there Mm -hmm. and it's going to be there and it might interrupt you, but that's okay. And then you close your eyes or you can leave your eyes open. Some people do it one way. I like to close my eyes and I tilt my head just a teeny bit because that's a more natural position. And then I begin to count my breath. So I inhale for one. And I exhale for two. And I inhale for three. And I exhale for four. And they're nice, even breaths, slower than that, in, mm-hmm. a, in a natural breath. You're not doing anything exaggerated with this style of breathing. And you try to get to 10. And if you think of anything, or if anything disturbs you, you have to start over. Okay. So Is that like a mantra of just no, you're, telling your body you're, to... You're, by counting, you're taking your mind away from the things around you, too. Excuse me. Okay. And so it, it, that gives your mind something to do to help you focus on the breath that you're breathing. Okay. And so as soon as you notice that interruption, you have to start over again. And the goal is to get to 10 five times without interruption. So if you can get yeah. to 10 five times without it, it'll take you, if you do it and you're lucky and you get through it, it'll take about five to 10 minutes. And then after you're done, and you've achieved your goal of getting to, uh, if, and if you don't do it, that's st- still fine. You still tried to meditate. You mm-hmm. still did it. You found a level of relaxation. And after you're done, you sit there for a minute and you think about what just happened. And then after you've thought about it, then you get up and you move on with your day. And that's a very basic type of meditation. And it's just a very basic counting meditation. Mm-hmm. Anyone can do it. Uh, Goldie Hahn did a, uh, a, a study, uh, a while back and she was in California. She's the great actress. Yeah. And, you know, she was involved with kids and, uh, her, her experiences started with through nine one one experiences with kids that were having issues and the, all those kind of problems. And so she started to work with meditation specialists to develop programs for kids. And one of the neat things about it is it was a very basic mindfulness that anyone can do. Mm-hmm. And all you do is you sit there with someone, you do what we just did. You close your eyes, you relax, and then you count together with the child. And you try to get to whatever it is, and you're just focusing on the breath. You're counting your breaths with them. Mm -hmm. And if you get to that point, great. If you don't, you don't. It was actually put into the school systems in California for a while as part of their curriculum, and it lasted for a while. They saw immediate results. There was less bullying. Uh, Kids got along better. They had better friendships. They were better in school. Their grades went up. Their athletes became better athletes because then they knew how to meditate to relax before races. Mm -hmm. Uh, They became better people. And uh, do we need a teacher though for this? I mean, no, anybody can do it. But this was just the program that was introduced in school, and it just proves that it worked. And it and it stayed there for a while until, of course, funding changed and things changed. But still, some teachers do it, and they do it in Georgia schools too, in some school systems. Okay, so, well, I mean, just for your, you know, my mom out there or, mm-hmm. you know, someone off the street, do they need to go into guided meditation first? Like, what would you, how do you, you get can, into Well, you can do the mindful meditation anytime. And you can go onto YouTube or go to wherever, anywhere. There's so much information on meditation. So if you Google mindfulness, um, it'll, or you can Google Goldie Hawn and <laughs> she'll go into that. Uh, you can go into her stuff too. But it's a very good uh, demonstration that it can work for anybody of all ages, you know, my wife has a hard time meditating, but she really loves to do uh, guided meditations. They're called yoga nindras. And um, I, I enjoy doing those as well with her. It's one of the only meditations you do lying flat on your back. 
Okay. And the goal there is not to go to sleep. And that's a challenge in yeah. itself. Cause it, it can be tough. My body emotion stays in motion. And when right. it stops, yeah, yeah your mind starts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so that, That's the hard thing. But yoga nindras are great. It's the, it's the very easiest way to get into a meditative type. Do you experience. think that if you, you know, you, the skill that you've picked up now of mindfulness, knowing what you know now for, you know, the big corporate job, is there, was, is there some, are you happy that you're, you know, you've learned it now, or do you wish you could have applied it oh, before, boy. you know, I would have been so much better. Now I did use it back in those days too, because I was meditating back then too. When I mentioned this to you before, if, mm-hmm. if, if I had to give a speech or I had to do something that I didn't want to do, like say I had to work with an employee that I knew was going to go, it wasn't going to be a good experience for them. Um, I would meditate ahead of time to get myself in the right state of mind. And then after I was in the right state of mind, I knew what was going to happen. I knew my work. I knew what I needed to do. I went in and, uh, and did what I needed to do or was able to express myself better because I went in with the right mindset. Okay. You know, okay. you know your stuff. Yeah. So you just got to be ready to go present it at that point. Yeah. I heard somewhere, you know, um, the, I mean, an optimal version of yourself is what, 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 what impedes performance is when we're thinking. And that's why you see someone when they take the last second shot, you know, they've done that shot a, a million times. So, yeah. you know, but it's when they start thinking like, Oh wait, uh, it's three seconds off. You know, like we, we allow those thoughts, you yeah. know, we know our stuff. So if we just perform, then you, you practice how you want to perform. So you've gone through that, you know, your speech, but, um, yeah, I I guess I in the in a world full of notifications, uh, family. I'm telling you, it's crazy. He, he, we were talking about t- shutting off our phones, and and Mark was like, I, it may be in the truck. I, I have no idea where my phone. Mm-hmm. And me, I, I, it's weird. I don't like my phone, but it's it's like the most important thing that I need. Yeah. You know, like notification itself. I'm just like, it's so many. I mean, we live in a world filled with notifications. How are you able to? Was it hard to distance yourself from that? It was surprisingly easy. Yeah, I mean, once uh, the hard part is turning it off. Mm-hmm. But once you've turned it off and you quit doing the upgrades and you quit doing the updates and stuff stops coming, then eventually you're able to back away from it. But I, I think that where you really see the benefit is when you start doing the things that you've wanted to do but you didn't do because it was too easy. It's so easy to look at your phone or play a game or sit in front of a TV. It's a whole lot harder to go down in the basement, cut a piece of wood, think about what about I'm going to carve, and then carve it and start working on a carving. You know, and I love to do to do that, mm-hmm. but I wasn't doing it for years because I was too busy doing nothing, looking at my phone, or uh, you know, watching TV, or you know, that kind of thing. There's so much you can do. People ask me how I have time to do all the things that I do, and I just say, well. Just get rid of your TV. Yeah, just you know, disconnect. I didn't even know that there was a pandemic immediately. You know, some of that stuff we found out. I found out through work because all of a sudden we had to wear a mask, and I was like, you know. <laughs> "He's like, what?" You <laughs> know. So you know, it's not that I want to be out of touch. Yeah, I, I want to know what's going on, and I, and we do keep track of what's going on. But mm. on the other hand, I just think that it's more important to do things for you this is the most important thing I could have done for me. And if I don't meditate, my wife says, you need to go meditate. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm, if I'm like not feeling it or something's going wrong, she'll uh-huh. be like, you know, did you meditate today? 
And, and okay. I'll be like, yeah, I guess you got me on that <laughs> one. I need to go do it. I'll see you later. So, yeah. well, then, uh, you know, with this, uh, thank you again for stopping by, Mark. Um, what What's one thing you think, like, what should people know about mindfulness? I think that being aware of everything around you is so important. You know, no, really pay attention to what other people are doing. If you're a mindful person, you're paying attention to what that person is getting ready to, is, is talking to you about. If you're not a mindful person, you're sitting there thinking about what you're going to say to them. Mm-hmm. It's more important to be a good listener. Mindful people are very good listeners. They're going to hear everything you said, and they'll be able to tell you what you said. So I think that that aspect is is very, very important. But the other piece is empowering yourself to do what you want to do with your life. And getting being able to make that decision to make yourself happy, if you're happy, the people around you are going to be a lot happier too. And people are going to want to be around you. So. Oh, that's awesome. I, uh, yeah, I heard when, when you leave a room, they're going to be happy. They're either they're happy they met you or happy that you left the room. So, uh, so yeah. you might as well just be happy with yourself. One or the other. Then, yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you so much again, Mark. Uh, family, that is another episode of You Ought to Know where we talk about things we think you ought to know. Uh, we had Mr. Mark Taylor here talking about mindfulness. And uh, I guess I have to go check in myself. I will see you next time. Thank you again, family. Have a good one. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to You Ought to Know, where we share some information we think you ought to know. Hey, if you like this show, be sure to like and subscribe. Also, be sure to check out our show notes to check out our sponsors. We'll see you next time. Thank you again.